guys start if you need to, okay? I'll call in. everybody stand up this morning as we worship if you've got something you're going through in this world listen to these verses this is how we overcome put your hands together sing along with us this morning your light broke through my night restored exceeding joy your grace fell like the rain and made this desert living you have turned my morning into dancing you have turned my sorrow into joy you have turned my morning into dancing you have turned my sorrow into joy 
guys are sounding good this morning. I couldn't use a little bit more volume. If you turn up your vocals a little bit, that would be awesome. Help us out. Your hand lifted me up. I stand on higher ground. Yeah. Your praise rose in my heart and made this valley sing. You have turned the morning into dancing. You have turned my sorrow into joy. You have turned my morning into dancing. Yes, you have. You have turned my sorrow into joy. All right, this next part, it just exclaims, this is how we overcome. The words are real simple. Sing along with us if you know that God has helped you overcome anything this morning. This is how we overcome. 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 You have turned a morning into dancing. You have turned. My sorrow into joy. You have turned my morning into dancing. You have turned my sorrow into joy. How many of you are glad to be here this morning? All right, I'm not gonna lie, I'm looking out at you. Some of you need to inform your face of that because there's some scowls going on out there. I want to see some smiles. Show me those teeth this morning. This is how we overcome. Even if you have to pull them out of your pocket, show them to me. This is how we overcome. 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 Amen, amen, amen. Awesome. Thank you, Pastor Kelly and the worship team. Good morning, everybody. How are you doing today? Good. It's good to see you this morning. Welcome to Sunset Hills. If you're new with us visiting been here a few times we're so grateful that you've come back to worship with us and it's such a privilege for us to be here together if you would do me a favor we're going to set up something because this morning our kids are going to be with us during the service and so we're going to be actually moving into a a little bit of a kids object lesson here in just a second but i'm going to transition you and myself into that by allowing you just to say hello to a few people just right around you for a second and then i'll come back with the object lesson so say hi to some people right around you welcome to sunset hills
we are. Well, if you would, if you would uh, go ahead and have a seat for a second, and, and the kids, if the kids are here, if you guys want to come up here, um, parents, if you want to let them come on up here, and um, or you want to come up with your kids, just come on and come up here. You can come up to the front row or whatnot. I don't have to be alone. So kids, come on up here. You can come up to the front row and hang out with me. Um, again, my name's Eric, one of the pastors here. Just so glad you're with us this morning. Good morning, you guys. How you doing? Is everybody good? You glad to be here this morning? Awesome. I'm glad you guys are here, too. You look, you look great. You look great. Well, Steve, Steve uh, Pastor Steve is in a, in a series, and, um, and, it's, and it's on paths. And so he, he opened that sermon series last week, and uh, this Sunday he's going to be continuing that series on some things called choices. And um, if we could pull up the scripture, Lynn, uh, this scripture here is an interesting scripture. Can, you, can somebody help me tell me what that Bible verse right there says? What is that? Psalm what? Psalm 37, 23. And the psalm says, The steps of a man or a woman or a boy or girl are established by the Lord when he delights in his ways. In essence, the way that we walk in our lives are really important to God. And the choices that we make are really important to God. And so life is like full of a lot of choices. And sometimes it's like this where you like have this clear glass of water. Like you look at this and then you can make some choices in life. And these choices sometimes may not be really radically bad choices, but they could be small little choices. Like you choose to lie, right? You choose not to do something you were told to do. And those choices then can have an effect on where you're going to go and what you're gonna do. So can I get a helper? Would, would you help me? Come on up here, come on over here. You're gonna help stir some things for me. And we're gonna take some of these dyes, okay? And I'm gonna say, like, do you like that color? Is that, is that okay color? So we're gonna put a, a dye in here. And these dyes, my wife has these dyes, and you, you guys know about these dyes. You use these for cakes and um, to change the colors of your cake mix and stuff like that. Did you know that it's interesting on the boxes of your dye, you have these little menus on the back. Did you know that? Like a recipe, like you can pick so many colors, and then those colors will represent another color. But we're going to take this dye, and I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to put this in here. So let's see how clear that is and how clean that is. Let me go ahead and just drop one in here. Imagine that right there changes it. Go ahead and stir that up. Yeah, go ahead and stir that up really good. So what color is that, you guys? Yeah, it's kind of an orangey color, right? So it was clear, but now it's orange, right? And, and so you, you've chosen to kind of, a choice you made was not to have a clear ingredient in there anymore. You chose something that made this discolored. Would you just want to drink that or eh, maybe not? No, yeah, maybe not. And, and these choices that we make kind of like, make everything sort of cloudy and maybe a little dingy, a little wrong. And so what happens when we have these choices, the Bible tells us that God has like a recipe to be able to follow him. And the scripture, another one is about his word. And, and Pastor Steve's going to mention some of that a little later, where your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. What is the word, you guys? The Bible. The Bible is not just a recipe, it's instructions, it's authority for us when we make choices sometimes that sort of 
color the things that we've done. It sort of like makes it hard for us to see clearly again. But you know what's really neat? The Bible helps clear that up. Do you know how the Bible tells us to clear that up with God? Do you, do you know? It's, it's through confession and through repentance. Would you look at this next verse right up here? If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Did you realize, you guys, that you can go to God when you make these choices that were wrong, taking you on a path that's probably not God's best for you, and you can say, God, would you please forgive me? I'm sorry. And that's kind of like, well, it's kind of like what I want to see if we can do with this. Can you hold this for me? I don't want to get that on you, so I'm going to put it right here. It's kind of like taking that and stir that up a little bit. Be careful. What happened? Yellowish, like clear color. It's clear color. That's right. So forgiveness, forgiveness allows you to return and to be restored with God again and to have a clear life, to be on a clear path to know and do his will. In fact, if we were to put other colors in there that would make this even more dingy, we can go to God in forgiveness and he can stir our affections, right? And because his word says if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, you guys... We can have a clear conscience, and we can have a good path of walking with Jesus. Does that sound fair? Is that good? So we're going to turn to the Bible, right? And we're going to hear his word, and we're going to repent, and we're going to confess when we do wrong, and we make wrong choices to return onto the path that he wants us to. Good deal? Awesome. You guys, thanks so much for listening. Okay, Pastor Kelly. All right, hey, stand with us again as we continue to worship. Rain in me, rain in me.
And I will cling to the old rugged cross And exchange it someday for a crown Yes, I will cling to the old rugged cross And exchange it someday for a Oh, God. 
saying that proclamation that we believe in you but guess what the devil also believes in you but God we want to do more than just believe in you God we want to let you be the Lord of our lives or that's something that Satan can't do Lord, I believe that the angels in heaven are jealous of us because God, we, we get to choose you each and every day. And God, today we choose you to be our Lord and Savior every day. Just like that sermon illustration, God, that, that tomorrow morning when we wake up and we mess up, God, we'll take our, our mess to you and God, you'll make us whole again, over and over. God, we're so grateful for that. Lord, let us never take that for granted. Never look at that like a, an insurance card, Lord, but just that we're a work in progress, God. You are working on us every single day. Lord, speak to us today and draw us closer to you with your words, with our obedience. Lord, we just pray that everything that we would think here this morning and, and, and do and say would bring glory to you and your kingdom. We love you so much. If there's one that's never said yes to you, Lord, let today be their day of victory. In your son Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. good to see these guys on the front row this morning hi guys how are you you good you excited to be in big church this morning some are shaking their head yes some are shaking their head no if you're shaking your head no would you please stand up <laughs> oh you've been caught I was gonna let you come up and preach the sermon this morning yeah yeah a few months ago, Lynn and I decided that we would purchase a new car. For some time, our minivan that we had had been come problematic, and, and, and we were going to have to start putting some money into it. So we decided that wasn't a smart thing to do. We'd already replaced the engine in this some time ago and now we're going to have to put a new transmission in it and so just given the age of the car it's like okay there comes a point in time where you just have to break down and, and purchase a car and while we don't buy brand new vehicles in our family we decided to purchase a newer model with low mileage have you priced used cars it's like paying for a brand new one right 
a minivan. My goodness, we, we paid more for this minivan. In fact, almost a time and a half as much for this minivan that was two years old as we paid for our first house. That's just the way it is today, right? Unbelievable. We bought a Honda Odyssey, and I have to say that I, I know as I'm driving this around, I am just really being a, making a fashion statement, a middle-aged man driving a minivan, right? And it's like, okay, I enjoy driving this van, but I, I, I don't get to drive it too often because technically this is lens to drive. It has so many more features, however, than my 2016 Ford F-150 or my 2004 Toyota Corolla, many more. And one of those features that it has is called lane assist. Just shut up, all right? <laughs> I shouldn't have used that term. Just be quiet. You're going to get me to where I'm going, and I don't want to get there yet, all right? Just, if he says anything, just poke him, all right? <laughs> now that he's ruined my sermon, I will continue on. No, actually, I love this lane assist. I do. I, I, it's, a, it's this technology. I, are y'all familiar with it? Because all y'all have new cars, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> It's this technology that I've discovered. It, it was not on my little Toyota. It's not on my pickup truck, but it's on this, this vehicle. With, and, and as you're familiar, as you drive along, it, 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 if you begin to drift outside of those markers on the highway, then it, the steering wheel begins to shake. At least that's what it does. I don't know what it does on your car, but that's what it does on this Odyssey. And, and not being familiar with how it worked the very first time I used it I, I'm drifting into another lane and all of a sudden it's like the steering wheel starts shaking and I was like what is going on with this car I mean I just bought it I'm thinking I have to take it back and up until this time when I drive other cars the only thing that keeps me in the lane without drifting has been my my own ability if you talk to my wife she would tell you that I drift a lot as I'm driving. Truth be known, she doesn't think I'm a good driver. And based on when she rides with me, she makes it known by her comments and her actions while in the car with me. How in the world I can drive like 95% of the time by myself without her is amazing to me. Any of you guys know what I'm talking about? I have to admit that I do drift, have a tendency to drift from time to time. Mostly, while I'm looking off, enjoying the scenery, because I have a curious nature. It doesn't matter if I'm driving down the road or flying in an airplane. I like to check out my surroundings. Don't put me in an aisle seat on a plane. Definitely don't put me in the middle seat. Put me next to the window. Used to drive my kids crazy uh, when we would fly out across the country. I would take my big road atlas map along 
And I'd unfold this thing, and I'd be looking out the window to see if I could find the, the land uh, objects down below by the roads and the lakes and the different things as I was driving. And when, they, when I pulled out my binoculars, they really got embarrassed. <laughs> I didn't care. I wanted to see what was going on. Pretty much still that way. Because you know what? I'll, I'll take the back roads. I will go another way different from the way that I went. If I'm familiar with the way, I will try to discover a different way back because I just like seeing what's out there. So while I'm driving, I often take my eyes off of what's in front of me. And that's when lane assist comes into play. I love it because I can set that and for a distance, I can go down the road, and, and, and I can even take my hands off the steering wheel. And it just kind of stays in the lane for a good distance. I like to take the curves and see how far is it going to take me into this curve before I have to put my hands back on the wheel. I just love that it corrects itself. Now, oh, by the way, it's got that feature that when you start getting too close to the car in front of you, it slows down I don't like that so much but it so I set it on cruise control and I relax and look and see what's going on around me checking out the scenery it's new to me I love this technology but like I said I don't have this on my other vehicles so it's really not a good habit for me to get into taking my eyes off the road because I might forget that I'm not in that Honda Odyssey and I'll be in my Ford pickup truck and guess what? I start drifting because I'm not paying attention. And in fact, if I'm not careful, it's just a matter of time until something bad is going to happen. Straying from the path can be deadly. Let me say that again. In context of those who listened to or were here last week, straying from the path that we talked about last week, that we're going to spend some more time talking about today, can be deadly. Amen? It certainly can. Last week, as I said, we started a short series called The Path, and I want to continue to that with that theme today with the idea of following the righteous path, as we described last week. And one of the statements that I made was this, that recognizing the right path is not always easy. There are times in our life where it becomes difficult to do that. And from time to time, I, like you, have strayed from the right path. I have been like driving down the road, and my eyes wander or start closing, and I begin to drift out of the traffic lane on occasion. And when I have strayed, when I have gone into that path, that, that lane that I shouldn't go in, you know what I need? I need a course correction a course correction that's the title of my sermon this morning that's what the lane assist feature does 
on the new minivan, and it's what it's telling me to do. When I drift from my lanes or the gentle shaking of that steering wheel that I have found, it's nudging me back to get back on the right course, back in the lane, back where I should be on the right path of direction. There are three things that that lane assist can do. Overall, the lane assist keeps you inside the path of travel. The technology is there to ultimately help you arrive safely to your destination. The other thing it can do is, another thing is, it alerts you when you're drifting and you have this need for a course direction, correction. It alerts you to that you're veering off, and if you keep going in that path, or in this case, if I don't turn without, if I don't use my signals, I could have run into a car next to me. It it tells me that there's danger that's going to happen. Lane Assist also does this. It nudges me back to that safe zone. It can save your life. Now, only a handful of cars are equipped with the technology. Well, evidently not in hits. I guess we have more modern cars than what I'm used to driving in this congregation because you're familiar with it, but they're not all cars have this technology. And you may not like what I'm about to say, but I suspect that if every vehicle that was on the road today's, today was equipped with lane assist, the highways would become much safer. There are some moments in our lives where we have stepped off the path of righteousness. And in those moments, what is needed is a course correction. Because if you don't, something bad is going to happen. In the same way that lane assist is available to drivers, God has equipped people, He's equipped us, with knowledge, but he's gone beyond that. He's giving us, he's provided for us divine assistance that is there for us to take advantage of to keep us on the right path. And when we choose to leave that path, even if it's just a little bit, course correction is there because God provides it for us. I want to call this life assist. Rather than lane assist, a life assist. For example, let me give you one of those life assists that's available to us, been available for many, many years, called the law of the Old Testament. You can think of it as a life assist. In fact, there were so many life assists he created that there were 613 or so. They don't know for sure exactly how many, but 613 laws that were used to assist Jewish people to live righteously, which ultimately would point them to Jesus Christ. Galatians 3.24 says this. Watch this. Therefore, the law has become, what's this? Our guardian to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. That's what the law has done. God gave the law to define the wrong path for this kind of situation. Let me change that and call it sin and show us our need for a Savior. 
there's not a single one of us I'm not telling you anything new here there's not a single one of us who can perfectly obey all the commandments in fact all those 613 or so in fact narrow it on down to the 10 that God gave us no one can perfectly obey the Ten Commandments. So the law was presented as a means of leading them and us to the path of righteousness as demonstrated by the only one who was able to keep all the laws perfectly. And who is that? Jesus Christ. All of God's Word serves as a life assist to keep us on the right course. And for every believer, we have another life assist with an incredible gift of God's presence in our life. This gift is given to every person who chooses to have Christ to come into the heart. You know who that is? It's the Holy Spirit. The moment that we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, we receive God's presence through the Holy Spirit. He's our helper, our life assists in achieving sanctification. He comes alongside us to encourage us, and he helps us discern the paths of righteousness. He reveals areas of our life that need attention and produces good results when we're obedient. In other words, he nudges us to produce good fruit. What are the good fruit? Love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. Galatians 5, 16 and 17 says this, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. You see, you see the pattern of path here? Here's a path that say the Holy Spirit is a path that I'm going to choose because he's guiding me. And yet there's another path here of a sinful nature. If you want this to happen, then you have, or if you don't want this to happen, you have to allow this to happen in your life. The sinful nature goes on to say in Galatians 5, 17, wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting with each other. So you are not free, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. Aren't you glad we have this Holy Spirit who helps us figure all this out, what the right path is? He resides in our spiritual hearts and he, if we give him room, he directs our paths and shows us when we need a course direction. Allow the Holy Spirit to be a life assist. So we have those two. We have others. But those are two I'm going to focus on, God's Word and the Holy Spirit. I'm just wondering. You don't need to raise your hands on this. But there, has there ever been a time when you've been tempted to leave the path of righteousness? You've been tempted to do something that you know is not the right thing to do. We call that sin. And all of a sudden, something happens, almost miraculous. In fact, in fact it is somewhat miraculously. It's divine that there's an intervention there 
that happens either in your mind or maybe externally some action happens that is trying to cause you to get back on the right path. Anyone ever experienced that besides me? I'm not that special. But anybody, you know what I'm saying? That's the Holy Spirit speaking into your life. Maybe it's saying, say, I want to say this, but something is saying, prompting you and say, no, you don't need to. Maybe it's caused your eyes to, to wander to a place it should not be. And something comes up to where it's trying to redirect you. That's the Holy Spirit saying, do a course correction. What if you find yourself in need of a course correction? All of us do from time to time. What do you do? When you're in that position, that place, that you're going down the wrong path, you recognize it. Why do you recognize it? Because the Holy Spirit has, has called you to it quite possibly, or because you know you're violating God's Word, and you know that you're on the wrong path. What do you do to create a course correction? Well, you know what, in God's Word, it's called repent. Repent. Uh, Pastor Eric used it this morning in the children sermon. Beginning with the first sin of Adam and Eve in Genesis 3, God's been calling for humanity to repent of their, of their sins. Repentance is, all, is a theme throughout the, the uh, prophets of the old who preached, Jeremiah, Ezra, Hosea, Amos, and John. They were calling God's people to repent. Men like Isaiah was saying the wicked man to forsake his, he was calling him to forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him in return to the Lord. And God moved through the establishment of the new covenant of the message. of It was a message of repentance and change. John the Baptist, what was he yelling in the wilderness? Repent and be baptized. For the kingdom of God is at hand. And when Jesus went out from village to village, when after John had been locked up, he was sharing the good news. And listen to his message in Mark 1.15. The time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. What does he say? Repent of your sins and believe the good news. And when the Savior sent out his, his chosen disciples to preach the kingdom of God, he instructed them to share this. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And they, this they did beginning with the day of Pentecost. And Peter and the other disciples called the people to repent. Here's Peter, once again, taking up this theme. He replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sin, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And through the work of the apostles, God's message 
of repentance spread throughout the world. And guess what? It continues today that God is calling his people to repent. I think you can see that there's a heavy emphasis placed on the necessity of repentance. So why don't we pay attention to that? It seems to me that if the Bible says that this is true, that we should. Would it not? Are you with me? Because you're kind of just like quiet right now. Maybe I should throw in a joke or two to make sure. Okay, I'm just making sure. I told... <laughs> There's my joke. Not you personally. Now you can go back to being quiet. <laughs> you see, maybe we don't all know what it really means to repent. I think probably in today's culture, we've gotten to that point. That we're really not sure what repentance is. What, is re what does it mean to repent? Oftentimes we'll hear the answer to that. Well, it means to change your ways. That's okay, an okay answer, but it's just not quite there. It's lacking because it does not capture the full essence of how the Bible characterizes repentance. Repentance is a change, but it's not just so much merely a changing of our ways. What is repentance? Well, repentance goes beyond just changing our ways. Really, it starts long before that. It starts in the heart. True repentance is changing one's heart. That then leads to the mind and finally into your actions. This is how repentance is described in the New Testament. In fact, the New Testament writers use different Greek words to describe how one repents. And it's three words that help shape the foundation of true repentance and will also form the basis of ours. Let me start with this. Three different, three different categories or methods involved in repentance. It starts with this. True repentance is a change of emotions. Another way of saying it is change of heart. The first principle of true repentance is to realize that we must first change our emotions, our heart toward it. Jesus and the New Testament writers use the Greek word that means to regret or to be sorry. Jesus uses a word in a parable of the two sons in Matthew 21 describing the son who at first said he would not go to work in his father's venue, but later did. Watch this. He said, what do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go to work. Go and work in my, today in my vineyard. Here's what the son did. I will not. He answered. But watch what happened. But later, he changed his mind and went. 
We see that the son felt sorry for not doing what his father commanded to do. And in his sorrow, his emotions led him to change his mind and his actions. The Apostle Paul also uses the word when he explains the principle of true repentance and it's a change of emotions in his second letter to the Corinthians. Watch this. Now I rejoice that you were made sorry. You were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to, say the word, repentance. For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation. What led Paul's rebuke that was happening in the Corinthian church and acceptance of sin? It was, there was this acceptance of sin was happening. You go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and you'll discover what the sin was. And so he's going back and he's saying, hey, I called that out to you because it was not appropriate what was happening. You didn't like it when I did. But what happened was it caused you, your emotions, to trigger other things. And now he's saying, I'm grateful for that. I, I'm happy. I rejoice. They listened to his rebuke. And because the congregation changed their emotions toward the sins that were happening among them, the sins of the guilty party, they, they let their sorrow lead them to repentance. But you know what? We live in a time when the word repentant, repent is not really thought about much. For if we truly understand our need to repent, then we must recognize that we're on a wrong path and in need of a course correction. We must admit that the direction that we're heading is going in a direction that leads us off from the paths of righteousness. And even if we're not committing what we would normally consider blatant acts of sin, any direction that isn't accomplishing God's will in our lives is in need of a correction. And in fact, is sin itself. As God's children, we must recognize that if we've sinned or are in need of repentance, then God wants us to mourn, be sorrowful over our sins. I know this isn't popular, a popular position to take. And I would venture to say a lot of people don't even want to hear this. But God wants us to deal honestly with where we are and that should lead us to feeling sorrowful and motivate us to a need of repentance i'm glad it doesn't stop there because i quite honestly that's what many churches did for many many years they pounded on people's sins they made them feel really badly about themselves. I got my hair cut this past week. And I'd never had this person to cut my hair. And when I was getting my hair cut, um, I, I was kind of just like 
let me just chill down and let her do her work on my hair. That doesn't ever happen. In fact, you've heard me describe before that it seems to be whenever I get into a chair and someone is cutting my hair, almost without fail, um, conversation comes up and, and I inform them that I'm a pastor. I thought, I'm just going to wait a little while and see how long I can go without having to do that this time. So I'm just being quiet and closing my eyes and... Mm, I probably, after I told her how I wanted my hair cut, probably five minutes into it, and it's been pretty much quiet, she said, well, so how's your week going? Pretty good. I started feeling guilty. That's all I said. And finally, I said, I am really blessed and having a good week. You know what she said? You must know Jesus. Okay, Durham. What course, what path are you going to take here, huh? I really was thinking about my sermon. And we had this conversation. I said, yes, I do. We talked a little further, a little more. And finally, I said, I shared with her that I was pastor of a church. And she started, I said, so I said, where do you go to church? And she said, I don't. Uh, is there a particular reason why you don't? Mm, I got hurt by the church. Well, actually, she just got hurt by people in the church, not the church. So we talked for a little while. I tried to encourage her. I tried to say not all churches are like that. Too bad some churches have beat people up. That's called legalism. And too many people in a lot of churches are more concerned about following all the rules and this and that and instead of really being concerned about a person's relationship with Christ. So it came time, she finished up, and she said, you want the free shampoo? I said, absolutely. So we went back, we went back up there, and she said, I have so enjoyed talking with you today. I feel like God led you here. And she said, I know I cut your hair a little shorter than what you asked me to, but I just wanted to keep cutting so I could keep on talking to you. I'm just going to move on. I'm glad I got out of that chair, finally, because I would have looked like him. And I do not want to look like him. You see, the goal of repentance is not to beat people up, not to make you look bad, feel bad. The goal of repentance goes far beyond that. See, the goal of repentance is a path that opens us up to understanding and grasping something far greater called God's forgiveness. Repentance of sin opens the way for that right relationship with the Lord. But there's more than just feeling sorry 
for what we've done. Our sorrow must lead, and this is the second part of it, to a change of our mind. True repentance is a change of mind. It's a second principle in understanding that, that we must not only change our emotions, we must let it start in our heart, but it's a motivation to begin to change our minds. Jesus and the New Testament writers used a Greek word, and I'm not telling you Greek words because I can't say them, even though I might practice them. You can look it up. But it describes this type of repentance. It's a general word that's translated repent, and it literally means to think differently. True repentance means the change in your emotions will lead to a change in your thinking. We think differently about our sinfulness. We're not proud of it. We're not happy about it. We don't rejoice in the sin. Rather, we, we comprehend the true nature of it. And that leads us to start thinking differently about who Christ is and what he's done for us. It leads us to having a change of attitude about how we serve him. Let me say it a different way. The thinking that begins to happen causes it to be difficult, difficult for us to be comfortable in tolerating sin in our life. We can't feel good about it any longer. You may for a short period, but after you're done with whatever, well, the Spirit starts working on your thinking about it. Jesus described his purpose for coming into the world, and I'm so glad this is here because it really celebrates what the ability we have to go and change, do a course correction. He says, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. That just really proves how much God loves us. The sinner is in need of changing his mind, turning their thoughts away from, they're, they're, they're caught up in this, turning their minds, or, or, or let me start all over with that. We get caught up in this way of thinking. And Jesus, through his power of the Holy Spirit, he comes into our life and we begin to say, I, this is not a place I want to be anymore. And by his love, he says, there's a better way. If we truly repent of our sins, we begin to change the emotion. We change our hearts uh, towards sins, and that emotion must lead us to a changed mind. Let me just say it this way. If you're a believer, you cannot be the same as what you were before. Becoming a believer has a profound impact upon your life and changes your thinking. If we get that, we're able to, to do what we're told in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and prove what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let me read it to you in a different version. The contemporary English says this, Don't be like the people of this world but let God change the way you think. 
then you will know how to do everything that is good and pleasing to him. Then you will know that you're on a different path, a better path that pleases him. We need to have a course correction. Now, if you do this, it's countercultural. People don't like it. We need to let God change the way we think. The Bible tells us in Colossians 3, 2, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Let people have the mind that is a love for the heavenly things that the Father provides. The mind is governed by the flesh. That's one path. This is what Romans 8, 6 says. The mind, that's one path that's governed by what we do in this. But... A different path. The mind governed by the Spirit is what? Life and peace. So what this really saying, spiritually minded people will have life. And once we come to Christ, once we repent of our sins, we cannot be that same old person because we change the way we think. Here's another one. True repentance it's a change of heart, it's a change of mind, but it's a change in actions. True repentance is to understand that we not only change those emotions, we not only change our thinking, but we also change our actions. It's a profound change that happens involving a change of direction that takes you from being self-centered and sin-centered to God or Christ-centeredness. The New Testament writers use the Greek term again for this. The word that they use is generally translated as to convert or to turn. Repentance is to take place. If our sins are to be blotted out and forgiven by God and we have an inheritance in Him, we must change our ways. Instead of walking after the flesh, we walk according to the Spirit. Perhaps no better passage of this ties all three of these principles together than what Jesus tells us about with the prodigal son. I won't read all of that. You're familiar with the story, but here's a father that uh, someone is of a child of men, uh, someone that's not really much different from us. He, his kid took his father's wealth and went on a faraway journey and spent all he had on sinful living. And yet the prodigal son, he, he, he did something while he was out there. He did exactly what we're talking about. He repented. And we see the steps that we've just talked about. In, in Luke chapter 15, you look and you read, he had a change of emotions. He goes from this brash and prideful person to someone who is very humble and penitent. And then we see a change of mind. He came to himself. You remember that from Scripture? He started thinking differently. And, and then he goes to a, a change of action. He goes, the action is he goes back to the Father. No longer was he trying to go away from his Father. But he changed and went back home. God's calling for us to come to him in true repentance. Let me give you some scripture and then we'll be pretty much done. 
But God's truth stands firm like a foundation stone with this inscription. The Lord knows those who are His, and all who belong to the Lord must turn away from their evil. In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wooden clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions and the cheap ones for everyday use. And then we get this instruction. If you keep yourself pure, you will have a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean, and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. That's the course correction that we strive for. Peter reminds us, but just as he who called us is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. The world tries to tell us we can do whatever we want, that we can chart our own course, follow any course, any philosophy, any path that suits our understanding. God says differently. Now to go back to my lane assist. The surprise has been taken out because Danny's already spilled it. Yeah, I can turn it off. I can turn off the lane assist. But if I have a habit of drifting, why would I? Why would I? And you know what we do too often? We turn off the life assist in our spiritual lives, in our relationship with God. And I'm saying, why would you? Why would I, Steve? Father, I pray that if there's someone here that needs a course correction today, we oftentimes think, oh, he's talking about other people. He's talking about some sin that, what? They've gotten. We're pretty good at pointing out other people's sin. Father, it might be just a slight course correction that needs to take place, a, a slight path that's veering from the path of righteousness. Maybe in our attitude, maybe in our words we use, maybe in our money and how we spend it. Maybe most of our life is in pretty good shape and we look at that and say, well, I'm doing pretty good, God, because look how you're blessing me. And yet there might be some place, some path, still in our lives that we need to correct. You may be calling us to today. So I pray the Holy Spirit would use that question to be present in our minds right now. Steve, do you need a course correction? And I honestly look at him and say, yes. And here it is. Maybe he's calling your name saying you need a course correction here. 
Don't ignore it. What are you going to do? Are you just going to turn it off right now? Or are you going to pay attention to it? Help us be obedient to the Holy Spirit. If there's some action that you need to take this morning, this altar is open. It's an invitation for you to come and do necessary business with God. If you'd like me or one of our pastors to pray with you, please don't hesitate. Maybe you just want to spend some time here in this altar. Maybe your course is way off in that you've never accepted Christ Jesus and the the path has not been set yet. Well, today's a great day to experience that. Be obedient as the Spirit leads us as we stand and as we sing. You're the God of this city. You're the King of these people. You're the Lord of this nation. You are the light in this darkness. You're the hope to the hopeless. You're the peace to the restless. You are. And there is no one like our God. No, there is no one like our God. Greater things are yet to come. Greater things still to be done in this city.
Father, that even though we may stray from the right path, yet we are we turn our way, repent. We look back about what Jesus said in that story, that, that parable of the prodigal son. And there was a father who was waiting, loving arms to celebrate, return home of his son. Thank you that we can find that. And you are Heavenly Father through what Jesus did. Thank you for his life that would give us life. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Please be seated. Amen. A couple of just really quick announcements here. Um, all these things are in your bulletin if you need more details. But do want to let you know there's several studies that are starting here just around the corner. Uh, this one is a 10-week study. Um, and an eight-week study you can choose uh, based on the time of day or the day of the week but these are both ladies studies the word of the Lord and also lyrics in life by Lisa Harper so I encourage you to uh, these are on Wednesdays and Tuesdays a couple in the evenings one in the afternoon and then also want to let you uh, know about our men's study men's study this one's super uh, exciting guys you need to know what your gifts are God gave them to you so uh, identify them and hone those so you can be the very best that you can be. Uh, can we go back to that men's study? Uh, spiritual gifts. Is that, that is a men's, that's not a men's study. Hey guys, we need to do that study. It would really be a great one. Sorry, I thought that was a men's study. Romans on 27, but we do need to get that on the docket. That would be really awesome. So, all right. Well, thank you guys for, uh, for being here this morning. And, uh, and, Nothing like the obedience and faithfulness of a child that just stirs my heart. So uh, several things coming up. Um, don't forget our uh, big Easter egg hunt, a great opportunity that we have uh, to be out and about in our community. And I uh, do want to remind you too, Friday Friends uh, is going to be rescheduled. Uh, we're not going to be, it's postponed uh, due to uh, celebration of life that we'll be celebrating here coming up, but it will not be meeting on February the 23rd. Hi, good morning. This is Kelly. I want to take a moment to personally thank you for joining us for today's live stream. I hope today's message was encouraging and inspiring for you. You know what? We would love to hear from you. If you're here today and you made a decision for Christ, or maybe you just have a simple prayer request, we would love to know about that. You can text the word prayer to 
776-1807. One of her pastors will be back in touch with you. Hey, if you're in the neighborhood, we'd love to see you in person. You can join us for life groups at 9 a.m. or blended worship at 10 a.m. And let me say this, from your youngest family member to your family member that has the most years of life experience, we have a place for you. You know, I believe that we're living in unprecedented times. People all around us are looking for sources of hope. And you and I, we both know where that hope is found. We have a God who loves us, and he wants to meet us right where we are. But you know what? He loves us too much to keep us there. So come and join us, whether online or in person. We would love to shake your hand, give you a smile, and do life with you here at Sunset Hills. Have a great week, everybody.